today's passage is Galatians chapter 1, um, starting at verse 13 and going through to chapter 2, verse 10. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false teachers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along.
has anybody got rid of their Christmas decorations this week? No, some of you still got them. Um, Christmas tree, got rid of that or put it away. Put stuff back in the loft. <laughs> um, it is a time to declutter, isn't it? Um, you know, it's great to have Christmas cards, but it's also good to free the house up a little bit from those things. Or maybe you've got a present, like you've got a new Christmas jumper, and you think, you know what, I need to go through my drawers and get rid of the old uh, jumper that I need to get, you know, that, you know, maybe I'll give it to the charity shop. Time for a declutter. Wait, is it also a time for a declutter internally? Is it spiritually to declutter? See, we can get cluttered up in our lives without even quite realising what's happened to us. Uh, and New Year is a good opportunity to, to take stock. What can I get rid of? One thing I, I got rid of this week was um, notifications on my phone that keep buzzing all throughout the day. And I check it, I think, oh, it's only some, you know, nonsense. That I don't, you know, it's, it's not as important as the other buzz that could have been something worth checking. So I thought, well, I'll get rid of those notifications. Why haven't I done that sooner? Because uh, it clutters my day. So it's a good chance to declutter, and um, it can be an opportunity to spiritually declutter at the new year. Christmas is busy, we're just getting all stuff done, aren't we, and we're seeing family and all the rest of it, but now, new year, let's declutter. Let's get rid of stuff. Well, Paul, or Saul as he was called before he met God, uh, was a man who was cluttered, but he didn't realise it. His life was cluttered up with religion. He was full of the stuff of his traditions. He said he's very passionate for the traditions of his fathers. He was full of the Bible. Surely that's a good thing. But actually, it was all clutter. He was full on for God, or so he thought. But actually what it was, was he was cluttering himself up. He was full of himself, actually. He talks about his own previous way of life in Judaism. All the things he did for God. How he was extremely jealous, zealous rather, for his traditions. How he was advancing beyond many of his own age. All the stuff that he was doing. The stuff that we do for God, while it may be good, actually can clutter our lives up. Now's the time to declutter. He, was, he would have known the Bible. He was top of his class. He was living kind of a faultless life, or so he thought. But all of it was actually just clutter. He was passionate and zealous, so much so that he was trying to actually persecute God's people and the church of God. Because he thought that that was the right thing to do. He was cluttered up, though, with all of his agenda, his stuff. What about you? Is your agenda, your stuff, cluttering your life up? The things that I really want to do. Can that be actually a bit of clutter in your life? Well, 
Paul, or as I say, Saul, was on the way to Damascus uh, with, the, with the intent of harassing and persecuting uh, the Christians there, the people who followed the name of Jesus, because he thought that that was the right thing to do. In fact, he says here, he actually wanted to destroy the church. He had high ambitions. And as he was on the way to Damascus, boom, God met him. And he was knocked down to the ground. He was blinded by a heavenly light. And suddenly, whoa, who is this? And it's, the voice came, this is Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Why are you doing this, Saul? He went instantly from being completely like this to being totally different. Just like he, he's supporting Arsenal. And then, boom, suddenly, he's all out for Liverpool. It was a complete a transformation instantly. One extreme to another. What's your story? Has anyone else had a Damascus Road experience? <laughs> Maybe yours isn't quite so dramatic as that. Most people say, well, you know, I discovered God gradually. Or perhaps if you grew up in a Christian home, your testimony isn't quite like the Apostle Paul's. You weren't set out to burn a church down and then God met you. Anyone do that? Anyone? That wasn't your agenda, but actually, maybe your testimony is different. But you know what? All of our stories, they may be very different. God will meet us in different ways, but they're all the same in that they depend completely on the grace of God. Now, Paul's story is all about grace. Because he knew he was a sinner. Afterwards, he found out Actually, he thought he was perfect, he thought he was righteous, he thought he was doing God's will, but he was a total sinner. And yet, God met him. He didn't deserve it. He'd done nothing to earn it. God came down. Do you know, the clutter in our lives often is the stuff that we're doing to kind of get us closer to God. It can be the stuff that we want to do to try and improve ourselves. It's, if you like, us trying to go from earth to heaven. But the gospel, the gospel that Paul preached, is heaven coming to earth. And that's what he experienced on the road to Damascus. God met him, and heaven came to earth. And that is what sets apart the gospel from any other message. It's not us trying to get our way to heaven, it's God getting his way to us. It's all grace. And Paul's life just was 100% grace. You cut him up and it was just grace all the way through. Everything about him was grace because he knew he'd done nothing to do it, to deserve it. See, it was all about what he was doing and then suddenly he says here, but when God stepped in, when God, who'd set me apart from my mother's womb, this was God's plan all along. God had always known he was going to do this. When God met me, and called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me, then my life was totally transformed. It was God's pleasure to do all this. God knew what he was doing. 
God knows what he's doing calling you. You might think 2022, I just don't know what I'm doing. If I'm honest, I'm thinking, oh, we're still in this pandemic. We still don't know quite what the next few months and weeks are going to look like. But God knows what he's doing. Paul knew that he was called by grace and it, it was God's good pleasure to reveal Jesus in him. And from day one, he knew his calling. He, was, he got up off the ground on the road to Damascus. He was blinded. He couldn't see. He had to be guided into uh, Damascus. And there he met someone called Ananias. And God had actually forewarned Ananias and said, this man who was going to come and persecute you, he's not going to do that anymore. He's coming uh, and you're going to pray for him because I've called him to be my spokesperson to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. From day one, Paul knew his calling. Ananias even maybe even knew it before. It was clear what he was called to do, and it was a call of God's grace. God's ways are very strange, aren't they? You might think, why does he want me to do this? It doesn't make any sense. Why would God take such a nasty piece of work as Saul <laughs> and then do something so incredible? Only God. And the same is true of the gospel. You couldn't make it up. Why would God love me? Why would God want to show his grace to me? I know me. I know how unlovable I can be. And yet he loves me. I know how unworthy I often feel. And yet he loves me. And he sent Jesus to die for me. Couldn't make that up, could you? Go figure. Makes no sense. The point of the gospel is it's not a human story. It's not a human invention. It's not come from earth. It's come from heaven. And so Paul says that when, when I received this message, received this calling, when I was changing this way, I didn't actually need to go and consult with some human authorities. I didn't need to go and see the powers that be I went straight into the desert. It says here, I didn't go up to Jerusalem, I went to Arabia. It became Paul of Arabia, like Lawrence of Arabia. Now, if you read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, uh, you read of the story of his conversion, but it doesn't mention this. It kind of misses this bit out. So if it wasn't for Galatians, we wouldn't know that what actually Paul then went and did was for three years, he just kind of went AWOL. He disappeared. He went off-grid. GPS, nowhere. Where is he? Don't know. Now, what was he doing? We don't know exactly what he was doing, but we can have a good guess that it was a time of preparation. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you know that he was a real action man. He'd go and plant churches. He was out there preaching every day. But he wasn't always like that. He, first of all, had to have a time of preparation. I want to say, if you want to be fruitful for God, a time of preparation is, is, is essential. A time when it doesn't look like you're doing anything is really crucial. And actually, ongoing times like that, times where we take stock, times when we take time out, it's crucial if you want to be fruitful for God. He had this time of preparation, three years. Uh, uh, and you see... The other apostles had had three years with Jesus, hadn't they? 
They'd been seeing Jesus turn water into wine. They'd seen him feed the 5,000. They'd heard his teaching. They'd walked and talked with Jesus all through those three years. But the Apostle Paul hadn't had that. But if he was going to be Apostle as well, he then had to have his three years with Jesus. So that's what he did. It was just him and Jesus in the desert. Paul knew the scriptures back to front. But now he had to learn them front to back. <laughs> he had to go back to the same word of God that he'd learned off by heart, but realize now that it wasn't what he thought it was. It was the other way around. It was pointing to Jesus all along. He had to reread the scriptures and think, oh my goodness, I got this totally wrong. This is all about Jesus. You know, he had to be rewired, reformed. You know, we'd never get all the incredible words that we get in the New Testament written by Paul if he hadn't taken that time out. So be prepared to have his, his mind changed. He, talks, he himself talks about the renewing of his mind. That's what Paul went through. And we, again, we don't know for sure, but that time out was surely part of it. And then he says, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to meet uh, Cephas, as he calls him here. That's another name for Peter. And he stayed with him for a couple of weeks. And I, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the brother of the Lord. This isn't Peter, James, and John, James. This is Jesus' brother, James. And he does go up to them. But he wasn't reliant on those human leaders to get a rubber stamp on his message because he knew he'd received it from heaven. You don't need the approval of a pastor like me or a priest or a vicar or anybody to know that you're accepted by God. You don't need someone else to pray for you to know that God loves you. You can come direct to God yourself. Now God often does use other people to speak to us. And for Paul it was Ananias when he went into Damascus. But you can come to God just yourself. Right, I'm just going to stop for a second. Is anyone freezing cold? You can just stand up for a second. I'm, I'm not joking. Anyone want to stand up and do a wave your arms around? You can. Don't be too reserved. Come on. Uh, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> it's cold. I know. We've got the doors open. So if anyone just needs to stand up, move around, shake their arms, please do. I'm just seeing everyone's getting colder and colder. <laughs> That's it. Paul's got his gloves on. Jason's putting a coat on. Come on. That's it. I won't be offended if you just get up and walk around. That's fine. Please do. Don't want anyone getting it absolutely freezing cold. That's it. Keep doing the exercise. It's good. <laughs> and then Paul says, after 14 years, then I went up again to Jerusalem. Now, during that period, he would have been preaching the gospel. He would have been fulfilling his commission to preach the gospel to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. And he took with him two people. He took with him Barnabas, who was Jewish, but he took also with him Titus, who was Greek. And this was huge. We don't get our heads around this, but this was huge, you see, because Titus was someone who wasn't part of the original chosen people. He was a Gentile. And yet Paul was not only preaching this message, he was living this message because two of his, one of his associates there was Titus, who was Greek. He goes up to Jerusalem. He speaks to the main leaders. 
And he says, not even Titus, who was Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Now, this was their big issue. What was happening was, people had come into the church in Galatia and said, yeah, it's great you received Jesus. That's absolutely brilliant. But you also need to do something else. You need to get circumcised. Well, the men do. And, you know, they were adding on something on top of the gospel. Oh, it's great that you've got Paul's message about the gospel of grace and all that. And that's wonderful. But part two is that you also need to do something to make yourself acceptable before God. Now, I want to waver a guess and I'd suggest that circumcision isn't a massive issue in this church. But you know what? There are other things that we can add to the gospel to try and make ourselves acceptable before God. And often it can be those subtle things. <coughs> Last week, Colin preached in a tie. And then, midway through his message, he took his tie off. Radical. <laughs> but his point was, it doesn't matter if I wear a tie or I don't wear a tie. Wearing a tie won't make me more acceptable before God. When I first became a Christian, I went to a big church in central London. And it just seemed to me that all the men wore V-neck jumpers. Now, I love V-neck jumpers, don't get me wrong. They're great. They, they're very, they're good because you can wear the shirt and like a little nod towards being smart, but also then you keep warm as well. In fact, this morning I thought, oh, maybe I should have put one on. But does everyone have to wear a blooming V-neck jumper? No, surely not. Except that's how it felt. I walked into this church and I was going, hello, nice to meet you. They're all so lovely. All wearing V-neck jumpers. What is this place? Is this written in the Bible? No, it's not. There's some sort of unwritten rule. Women must wear hats, right? And there can be other things, subtle things. Some, we wouldn't say it, but you know, if you, if you really want to be serious about God, you've got to have your daily quiet time. You've got to read the Bible and pray. If you want to come to Pembury Baptist Church, you become a member. That'll earn you more brownie points with God. really want to be serious about God, you'll speak in tongues. You know, they're really on fire, Christians. That's what they do. If you're really passionate about God, you'll, be, you'll know the latest songs from Hillsong. You'll wave your hands in the air. If you don't, you probably... You're probably not on fire for God. If you wave your hands in the air, you're a lunatic. <laughs> Hang on. And these might sound like trivial things, and we say, oh, surely that's not true. This week, I sent an email out to the church saying, come along to prayer meetings. If you're serious about God, you'll be at the prayer meeting. You'll join a home group. All these things I've listed are not bad things. They're all good things, and they can be actually the ways in which we grow in our faith. But they are not the gospel. 
and they will not get you saved. And actually, if they become the means by which you try and impress God, and try and make yourself more acceptable, or they become the subtle ways by which you judge others, well, so-and-so, they don't serve in the church. So they can't be very serious about God. I want to tell you, this is a lie of the devil. Because God sent Jesus to set you free. And things that might look like good things can be hijacked and become straitjackets that don't set us free, but actually bind us. And we can become the ways in which we judge one another. And that is so wrong. This is the most angry letter in the New Testament. And the reason Paul is so darn angry is because people had come in and they were saying, ah, but you need to do stuff to be free, to be acceptable by God. He said some false believers had come in and they were spying on our freedom and they wanted to make us slaves. This happens all the time in the church. Any church. And it is wrong. It's a gospel of works, not the gospel of grace. Paul goes to Jerusalem. And he actually talks down the big leaders in the church. Peter, James, John, the big apostles. The big names. Those who were highly esteemed. But he actually says, whoever they were, it makes no difference to me. God doesn't show favoritism, and they added nothing to my message. He talks down the main leaders in the church. St. Peter, for goodness sake. Paul talks him down. Now, he, sh he loves him, he has respect for him, and in the end he says, they gave us the right hand of fellowship, and they recognized that we're, we're all on the same team. And we didn't do love each other. But his point in this was that God has no favorites. You know, we can think there's a hierarchy in God's kingdom and that some, some people are higher up than others. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. The cross says we're all on the same level playing field. <laughs> now, I know, I know you guys, and I know you don't think this, but just in case anyone does, please don't think, just because God's called me to be a pastor, that I'm somehow on a higher level than anybody else. Please don't put me or any other church leader on a pedestal. I mean, be nice to us as well. <laughs> but <laughs> don't put us up on a pedestal, because I'm telling you, ask, ask that woman there, you know. <laughs> That's my wife. Thanks, Han. Good. Thank you. Phew. But are we any better than anybody else? We're all... On the same level playing field. That's what grace says. That's what communion says. That's what the blood of Jesus says. Only by grace can I enter into his presence. Only by the throne of... Only by his grace can I come to the throne of God. I have no other hope. I have no other boast. I have no other claim than the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I didn't give in to them for a minute, those Scallywags. <laughs> and he actually, he has worse words to say about them. Those nice religious people who wanted to make enslaved people. 
He's angry. Why is he so angry? Because it's the gospel. Because it matters. Now, <coughs> if, if, if in the UK, as they used to, um, if they're still burning people at the stake, I want to suggest don't go and be burned at the stake for being a Baptist. It's, they used to, but it's not worth it. Don't be burned at the stake for your style of worship music. You know, the old hymns. It's not worth giving your life for that. But go to the stake for the gospel. Be killed for the gospel. That's worth it. That's what the Apostle Paul said. That's what he lived. The authorities in Jerusalem recognized that the grace was on Paul as it was on them. And he wasn't the same as them. Titus wasn't the same. But you know what? Go for it. And hallelujah when we can recognize God's grace in one another. And say, you're not like me and I don't need you to be. We don't look like each other. We don't talk like each other. We do different things. We're called to different things. Hallelujah. That's freedom. I don't need you to be like me. I don't need to please you either. I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to love you. But I don't need to please you. Because God has set me free. This is freedom. And this is worth fighting for. I almost wanted to show a video clip from the film Braveheart. Maybe I'll show it in a few weeks. There was just one slightly rude word and I thought... Ooh, ooh, ooh. But he's... It's, you know Braveheart. Scotland! Freedom! Come on! It's worth dying for. Okay, I invite you to stand. Stick some ar Move your arms around, please. Uh, whatever you need to do. And we're going to pray. <coughs> Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. Christ died for you to set you free. Is there anything in your life you need to declutter, to get rid of, so you can live and experience that freedom? Is there anything I need to lay down in order to just know his freedom? Just now is the time for you to do business with God, for me to do business with God. Let's receive afresh that knowledge that nothing we can do will make him love us more and nothing we can do can make him love us less. Amen. Jesus died for our sins to set us free. And this is the gospel. Don't let anyone take that away from you. You are saved by grace and by grace alone. He loves you. He just loves you so much. But, but not because of the stuff you've done. He loves you because he loves you. So Holy Spirit, we give you free reign. If anything I've said is just rubbish, just forgive me, Lord. We just pray that uh, Jesus will be exalted now.
that it really would be all about Jesus. We don't want to get in the way of what you're doing, Lord. We just want to say, yeah, your kingdom come, your will be done. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Mm. Maybe if we could just play, start playing quietly. Is that all right? Um, we're in the presence of the living God. The weight in God's presence now. Worship him right here, right now. Died to set you free. Jesus died to set you free. If anyone's feeling offended, that's good. Because the cross is offensive. But ask yourself, why am I feeling offended? His grace is enough. Can't add anything to me. Oh Jesus. Let's sing this song and then we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Grace is enough. 